This is Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And it's fun to have everyone else kind of get a little insight into what we do. Farmland forever. Actually, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Shelby, <laughs> let's wrap <laughs> this thing up. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cultivating Convos, Ohio Department of Agriculture's weekly podcast. I'm Shelby Croft, and guest hosting this week is Katie Boyer. I'm back, baby. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. So, Katie, we have um, we have a good subject for yep. people like me, which I'm sure there are a lot of others out there. As I'm staring at all of my beds in my backyard right now, and they look horrible and terrible and what do I do with all of those dead plants and how do I prepare it for next year? Exactly and you know what our gardens were actually beautiful this summer because we had our victory gardens program which was in its second year and we're gonna we're gonna re-rack it and do it again next year and today we have the woman who has helped us she <laughs> is the mastermind behind it we have Colette Gabriel she is a plant disease diagnostician did I say that right, Colette? That is a tough word. Yes, it's good. Um, <laughs> and she is with our um, plant, plant health, health division. division. <laughs> so Colette, please help us out. Help us get our garden beds ready for next year, all prepped. What can we do? Um, usually I have kind of like this little mini checklist to kind of help me go through what I would do. Um, this is really a cool time of the year, so if you have a really warm day, like actually today, and it's not raining, it's a good time to get out there and get stuff kind of cleaned up. Um, what I normally start doing is just getting rid of all that dead plant material. There is so much stuff out there that could be housing plant diseases, insects from the previous summer that you just don't want to come into your garden this coming year. So get that all cleaned up, thrown away. Um, if you have a really good hot compost bed, you can put everything in there and that'll cook everything. Or um, some places have some really good setups where there's a yard waste bin. You can put it in your yard waste bin or you can throw it away in the trash. Hot compost bed. That is nothing that's ever been said on this program before. <laughs> <laughs> so there, there's composts. All composts are not created equal. Um, depending on what you have set up depends on how good it is. So if you just have like a little pile in your backyard that's just, oh, you're just putting a few things in there, it's not going to do a good job. You want your compost to heat up and kill everything that you're putting in there because all you're doing is creating a breeding ground for your compost for the next year of putting on your plants. If you just put all that dead material that's got plant diseases and insect eggs on your plants, all you're doing is giving them, a, you know, entry into your garden again. Wow. The things we learn from Colette, honestly. I, seriously, seriously. It, it amazes <laughs> me every single time we talk. So, okay, so you just gave us some good ideas. What about, uh, is there anything we need to do to our soil right now? I mean, we, so we clear the desk away. What do we need to do to our soil to make sure it's prepped for next year? So there's a few different things you could do. Um, the main thing is, you know, when we're going through this cold area time frame of the year, it's sometimes hard to mess with the soil. It's frozen, whatever. Um, obviously, if you have a day that's thawing out, you can go in there with like a, not really a pitchfork, but like a fork and just turn everything up. Get everything disturbed. 
and any type of grub, insect that's burrowed into the soil to kind of protect themselves from the winter, that'll disturb them. And hopefully the next few days could become cold again and kind of zaps them. Poor guys. But you know what? <laughs> we got to have our gardens ready for next year. So I get it. Um, and, and, and timeline wise, so this is thinking way ahead. When do I start my seeds for next year? I always mess this up every year. I always either start way too early or way, way, way too late. So Colette, help me out. So you want to pay attention to your seed type. Um, a lot of seeds obviously come in a packet and they give you complete details of germination periods, growth to maturity. And you want to make sure you pay very close attention to that. If you're starting plants in your house, say in January, the time frame between they start to grow, to germinate, and to their mature date, if it's shorter than the time frame that you're going to be able to get them outside, you're going to have a lot of plants inside that are just going haywire. Um, usually the goal is, is just to get them germinating and a little sturdier than they would be if they're outside just beginning to germinate. And that way, when the frost is over and you're ready to plant, they actually have a head start. But you don't want them to be, you know, in the adult stage when you're planting them, because then that ends up giving them planting shock. And it also means that they're not going to be as healthy because they haven't been outside. Inside, you know, most of us have like little grow lights and whatnot, and they tend to get a little leggy and not the most sturdiest thing. So when they go outside, then they start breaking and they start having problems. So you brought up something. We were having our little pre-chat before we started recording this, which we usually do. So Colette, you brought up that there are people that are actually gardening right now. And you kind of, you laughed and you said, those are, those are the diehards. We don't, you know, just, <laughs> that's not for like the, the starters. So talk, talk a little bit about how people are gardening right now and the those who really know how to do it, you know, how they, how do they do it? Well, um, they're much better than I am. I can't say that I've ever attempted it myself. <laughs> I'm a little busy in the winter, which is really weird because you wouldn't think so, but they use a kind of a technique, like almost like a little hothouse, um, hotbeds where they keep those plants away from the winds, the extreme temperatures. They use, um, different types of compost, but they also use like almost like insulators, leaves, straw, and they they cover all their plants and they keep them at a certain temperature that they're okay with. Now, it, it depends on the plant. So like, you know, things like, um, I want to say like radishes, I believe are a good one. Um, anything that's leafy, like kale, stuff like that. Not all plants can do it. So, you know, it depends on what you which ones you have. Spinach is also a good one. They like cooler temps anyways. And so they're able to keep these plants in this protected area and harvest them throughout the winter. It's not an easy task. I, I mean, you know, you have to know what you're doing and kind of do your homework, um, but it's definitely possible. That's, that has to be a full-time job in Ohio because it's what, 61 today. It yeah. could be 34 next week. That's, yes. that is some dedication. That's impressive. I, I think so. I think so. It's, it's beautiful. When, when you see it, so. Does does that affect the, so right now we've obviously seen some really cold temperatures, then it went back to really warm. What effect does that have on our soil and on the growing later? Do we know? Well, it's not always a, 
sometimes it confuses the plants and sometimes it can confuse the insects, which can be a good thing. Um, depending on the time of the year, you know, when you first, plants are first going into their hibernation stage, you know, the, it doesn't affect them too much. But if we start, you know, having long stretches of warm temps, it can cause some confusion. Sometimes we have early budding in our trees and our flowers and it, then we end up getting really cold again and it burns them. So then we end up not having as many nice blossoms in the spring. Um, it really just depends on the time of year when that happens. Right now, we're kind of in that stage where we could have some warmer days and it not really have a huge impact. But if we have, you know, warmer days, say in end of January, February, and then it goes back to freezing cold, it could cause some issues for the plants. Now, I'm really stretching my abilities this year and I planted strawberries and they're allegedly going to come back next year. Is there anything I need to do in a strawberry bed to make sure they produce next year? Because I, I'm terrified I've just like ruined them already. <laughs> there are some really good um, kind of fact sheets on the Ohio line uh, fact sheet page for Ohio State University, as well as the Beagle Alerts. And um, there are some different methods that you can use. What I usually do with my strawberries, I actually trim them all up and then I cover them with straw to kind of keep them protected. And then I uncover them in the spring. Um, there are different methods, obviously, and depending on your area and depending on how many plants you have might change what you do. Um, but I usually trim them all up, keep them, get all rid of all the stragglers, make sure there's nothing, you know, trailing elsewhere. And then I just kind of cover them up. Some strawberries. Cool. We'll link those, we'll yeah. link those fact sheets on, on our page. Yeah. Yes. I'll send Good. them to you. Uh, Katie, I'm really impressed with you right now, but I have a question. Is, <laughs> is all of this like new planting because of that giant backyard and those beds that you inherited when you bought that house? Yes, yes. I was like, they're here. I've got to use them. Also, I just didn't want to dig them up. So yeah, I had a uh, jungle back here this year. I had strawberries and I created, I put in some pumpkins. I planted literally three pumpkin seeds and I turned my entire yard into a pumpkin patch. It was unreal. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, pumpkins are incredible. Time, the first time that we went to Katie's house, she has this really big backyard. And it had it had the planters in it. I remember us talking about it. Yeah, you're better than I am. I probably would have just taken them out. So we're Good trying. <laughs> I'm trying. This is an important podcast for me. So I'm glad I'm I'm on this one. <laughs> Katie suggested that because because she just really wanted the information herself. <laughs> yeah, this was self-serving for sure. <laughs> All right. Colette, is there anything else we should talk about? One of the biggest things that a lot of people they don't seem to think about um, is tool maintenance, cleaning your tools, sanitizing your tools, maintaining your tools for the next year, keeping them in tip top shape. So you don't have to worry about running to the store again to get more when everybody else is running to the store to get more. Um, diseases are, are a huge deal in a home garden. You know, if you get something in your compost that didn't cook properly or you know, say a bird or an insect is bringing something over, you want to try to mitigate that as much as possible. And so when you're gardening with your tools, if anyone uses your tools, you want to make sure you're sanitizing them, 
kind of in between uses. It's not as a big deal if you're never leaving your garden, but kind of keeping those tools in tip top shape as well. Um, if you're using pruners, you want to make sure those pruners are sharp because if you're using them, say, on a perennial, you don't want to damage that perennial because that blade is now dull. If that blade's dull, it's going to cause a very unclean cut. It's going to be kind of ragged, and that can actually cause damage to your plants. So all of the cleaning and sanitizing protocols that we all were kind of forced to learn over COVID, we just apply them in the garden too then, right? Correct. I would not, I wouldn't be spraying your plants though with, you know, yeah, antibacterial true. stuff. Yeah. That might not be the greatest <laughs> thing. Um, but they do have uh, soap washes where you can use soap, mix it with water and spray it for insects. So depending on what you're doing, depends on what you can use it for. Oh my God. But yes, your tools, keep those things clean. Because if you, you know, you cut something over here that's got a virus and then you cut something over here and you just, now you just transmitted that virus to your other plants. I don't so, think a lot of people think about that. Viruses and illnesses. Oh yeah. Everything. Plants, plants get viruses, bacterial diseases, fungal diseases. Um, we even have water mold diseases. So we've, we've got everything hmm. in the plant world. You'd be surprised. That is crazy. You are way smarter than I am. Well, Colette, thank you so much for joining us and giving us some tips to keep our gardens in tip-top shape so we're ready to roll next year. Exactly. And Colette, we are going to, of course, call on you again when uh, the Victory Gardens program kicks off in April. So be prepared. You know, we'll, we always call and we're going to have you on again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone out there for listening this week. We always appreciate it. Uh, and we will see you back here next week. Bye-bye. Cultivating Combos is created by ODA's communications team. Make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest episodes in your feed. And like ODA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for up-to-date news about agriculture in Ohio.